Good morning, everybody. Jim, you cooked five pounds of bacon. You're speaking my love language. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. I don't know how I like focus after that. <laughs> All I think about is bacon. Oh. Bacon in real coffee. Heaven on earth. So <laughs> it's good. Can I get five or six people who are willing to pray for me and for us today as I speak? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, you haven't heard me say this in a while, um, but we're going to do something different today. <laughs> the people who are laughing have been around for a while and know that that's not an uncommon thing for me to say, but it's been a while since I've said it. Uh, and we are going to do something different. I'm going to... Um, preach a little bit differently than I um, probably normally would, uh, but also uh, we have communion today. We're going to come to the Lord's table, and we're going to do that a little bit differently as well. So um, the average person does not like change. So this is a great introduction to my message that the, most of you are already like, what's going to happen? Is this going to be good? I don't know. Or do I like it? So everyone take a deep breath. Exhale. I should have said grab mints first, take a deep breath, then exhale. Uh, we're going to, uh, everyone just, just quietly declare, God is good. All right. Now, if this goes really bad, God is still good, right? Okay. Anyways. Let's, uh, let's pray. Why don't you just take a second and um, just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm listening. Even if you don't really know Jesus and you're here because someone dragged you or you're here just checking things out, if you're just saying, I I'm not sure where I stand with st this stuff. Just be brave. Just say, Lord, if you're here, I give you permission to speak to my heart and to speak to my life. give you permission. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to me in a new way, in a different way for who you really are. Yeah. Father, I ask that you'd speak through me today. Let, let none of my words get in the way of what you want to say. Speak to our hearts, God. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn with me to Psalm 23. Pastor Rick's already read a few verses of this passage, and, and I have to tell you, I, I was a little uh, um, hesitant in preaching Psalm 23 because it's a classic. And sometimes you just don't mess with classics. And it's a, an old, familiar psalm, not that the other psalms are not old, but for many of us, we, we, we know this psalm really well, and it may be hard, and I, that's one of my hesitancies with it, was to not preach this uh, through Psalm 23, because it's so familiar to some of us that it's hard to kind of extrapolate something new out of it. And um, 
So we're going to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to read the psalm. I'm going to preach through probably just to, to dabble through teaching through the, probably the first four verses. And then I'm going to do something a little different. From there, after I teach just briefly through it, I actually want to, um, I want to read to you from my journal in walking with this with Jesus. So I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to share with you what... Um, in my time with Jesus, walking through Psalm 23 and letting him speak to me. And so I don't know how far we're going to get, but this is going to be personal. It's going to be raw. If you are looking through for, you know, a deep theological treatise on Psalm 23, it's not going to happen today, but you're good because God is good and Google has plenty of resources for you. And so we're going to, I'm going to try this. Is that okay for you guys to go on this journey with me? And this passage uh, really is familiar, and it's familiar to me. There's, there are so many restless times. There were restless nights and even anxious nights where all I could do before falling asleep or in the middle of the night was to repeat this psalm over and over to my heart and in my head. And uh, I learned this psalm in the King James, some of you will know the King James version of this. Uh, so it, partly I learned this in the King James, and partly I learned this in the, the Keith Green version. Some of you know who Keith Green is. Some of you are old like me. He was a singer, and, and he wrote a whole album called Songs for the Shepherd, and one of them he wrote from Psalm 23. And I remember listening to it as a kid as my sister would play it on vinyl before vinyl was cool again. It's just what we had. And um, so there were times where in the middle of the night, I would just rehearse this. And so I want to, um, I want to read through this, this familiar passage that's become really like a part of me. It's become like a friend of the family. It's become a, a friend to me. So let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. Bob, if you can go back to the first slide of verse one, starting with verse one, I just want to briefly teach through this just a little bit. This is a psalm of David. David wrote many of the psalms. He didn't write all the psalms, but he wrote many of the psalms. And most Bible scholars think that this is one of the earliest psalms that David wrote. Now, again, these aren't just poems. These were songs. 
And uh, David loved music and he loved songs and it was part of who he was. And while he was a shepherd, he would play the harp. And we know later on that he was promoted to a place of prominence even within the king's court because that he, of his skill and ability to sing, but also because of the anointing of worship that would come upon David that would even drive demonic spirits out of people and out of places. And then when David became king, he was so convinced that the, the, the place of the Psalms in songs in music as a gift from the Lord, that he had over 4,000 trained musicians worshiping before the Lord day and night. But long before David was king, long before he was ushered into the king's court with his harp, David, most Bible scholars think that he wrote this song on a hillside somewhere in Bethlehem as a 16 or 17-year-old kid, watching his father's sheep as the youngest of the sons, doing a job that no one really wanted to do anymore. And so David, as a 15, 16, 17-year-old, is watching his sheep and writing this song as, as a personal stands before the Lord. And he starts, and, and he writes this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Now, the first thing that's really interesting, that David, as a shepherd, is referring to the, his relationship with God as a shepherd. But I just want to bring this up, and we'll, we'll dive into the shepherd part a little bit more. But the Hebrew word that David uses here for shepherd is the word ra'ah. Can you say ra'ah? Good job. That's also the Hebrew word for best friend. Interesting, huh? Now, we know through the context of what, everything else that David is writing that he is referring to the Lord as his shepherd, but it also includes the fact that this isn't just a far-off, distant relationship that he has with some cosmic being way out there. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd like my best friend. And shepherds can only shep up close, can't they? They can't dial it in. There's no teleconferencing in, as a shepherd, right? No FaceTime, hey, sheepy, sheepies, come with me. It just doesn't work that way. And so David is, is declaring, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lie, nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, that, that whole part about quiet waters is, is because sheep are by nature anxious. And so if you take sheep to a rushing brook or a roaring river or even water that is fast moving, they won't drink because of the fear, both of the sound and the motion they won't get to. So a shepherd not only has to find water for sheep, but they have to find quiet, still waters that sheep won't be afraid of, but will find their refreshment in. So David knows this and leads us. And he says, he guides me along right past. For those of you who knew the King James Version like me, it says well, something different, right? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now that, that, that description that comes there of paths of righteousness, it actually, if you look at the original language, it means circular paths. Now, that may not make sense to us, but to shepherds on the hillsides of Bethlehem, it made more sense because a shepherd wouldn't just lead sheep up a steep hillside in one foul swoop for fear of tiring them out or falling. So what they do is they would encircle a hillside. 
And they would keep going around the hillside and take a slow path up to the top of the hill to find green grass. And so when David is referring to this, he's saying this, the Lord as my shepherd, he knows the paths that encircle the places that I need to go to. He picks the right pathways, paths of righteousness in life. And so that's what he's referring to here. And then he says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. And again, some of you know the King James and says, even though I walk, or actually it doesn't say even though, it says, yay. Now it's not, yay. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And so there is a word picture and a metaphor here that I want to look at, but the reality is, is that some Bible scholars think that, that there's actually a place that, that David was referring to that was called the valley of the shadow of death. It wasn't just a word picture, it was a reality. And, and it was a valley which the walls of the valley were very narrow. It was more like a passageway. And that a shepherd, in order to lead their sheep into green pastures, into water, would have to go through a valley that became very, very narrow. And it was considered somewhat dangerous for two reasons. First of all, if someone was going to steal sheep, it would be the ideal place to do it because they have to flock together so tightly to get through this narrow passage. You can take out a shepherd pretty easily as he's leading them through this valley of the shadow of death. The second thing is animals are smart too. And animals know that sheep are dumb, but they're pretty fast. And so if they can get them at a place where they are hemmed in or boxed in, in a valley place, the chances of them being able to run to escape are limited. So they're easy pickings. Think of wild E. Coyote, right? And so it was a dangerous place. It was a dark place. It was, it was a place where shepherds it wouldn't be the ideal place to lead sheep through in the moment because of the way of the pressing and the squeezing in of a narrow pathway for sheep to go to. And it limited options for shepherds as well as the sheep. And so you can see all of those word pictures that David is starting to paint in his relationship with the Lord as our shepherd. So that's about as far as I want to go today or time will allow for me to actually kind of teach through the passage a little bit. Now I just want to, I want to transition and I want to share a little bit of what the Lord was saying to me personally through this passage in talking to my heart. So hopefully it'll be okay. My, my grandfather, who was a pastor for ever, I think, you know, he and Moses wrote the original manuscripts together and I got to know my grandfather a little bit more when I was in college. And one of the things, pieces of advice, because he'd been in ministry for so long, is he said, Kevin, preach to yourself first. And if anyone wants to come along for the ride, that's, that's great. So I'm going to be sharing what the Lord was saying to me. And, and hopefully you can extrapolate uh, some life lessons as well and come on this journey with me. I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to share with me about this passage? And what do you want to say to me? Because there, there's the teaching part of it, but Lord, what are you saying to me? And here's what he said. And some of you guys who know me know that when I journal, I journal my words in black and Jesus' words in red. 
because that's the way it works, right? Okay. So. But I do that, so, uh, and then I pray through it, and of course I test and weigh all, everything that I, I feel the Lord saying. But here's what the Lord said to me. Kevin, I love this psalm. I love it. Do you ever think about that? God likes his word. I also believe God likes certain passages because he knows who was writing them and what was going on in them and through them. That There's a personal history that Jesus has, that God has with David when he wrote this. And here's what he says. I love this psalm. This psalm reveals why I picked David to lead my people, to be the leader of a nation and to shepherd them. It reveals that David was a man after my own heart and that he knew my heart. This psalm reveals that David knew me and he knew my heart for him. To know me is to know my heart. To know my ways as a shepherd, to know my ways of leading like your good shepherd is to know me. This wasn't a theology of a shepherd that David was writing. It was a personal history of someone who knew me as the shepherd of their soul. Personal history can do what theology can't. Personal history gets your heart in the deep places in your heart. I want to stop right there because some of you just, I want to clarify that phrase. Theology, first of all, is not bad. Theology is the study of God. It's the study of doctrine and of the words and of the foundations of our faith. And I love theology. I do. But the Lord was saying to me that this, Psalm 23, wasn't a 16-year-old trying to come up with a theology. He was telling this, the personal history of a young man who experienced the Lord as a shepherd and how it impacted his heart. And can, the Lord just want to continue. Personal history can do what theology can't. It gets to the deep places and the deep places of your heart. The Lord continues. He says, that's why Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. And in Ephesians, and the Lord was referring to a passage that I, that I knew well, and he was referring, it's in Ephesians 3.19, and the New Living Translation says it this way. Paul was praying for the church. He says, I pray that you will experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Paul is saying, I want you to have an experience with the love of Christ. Even though that love, even in theology, is beyond our capacity to understand with our minds, I want you to experience it for yourself. And then Paul continues, he says, I, I pray that you will all experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul's saying, I want you to have an experience of personal history that goes beyond the ability of theology to capture your mind. I want to capture you and your heart. The Lord continues. He said, David was a shepherd, but I was his shepherd. This psalm is his experience with me as he let me be his shepherd. Kevin, many people know that I'm a good shepherd. They know in their minds, but fewer people know me as their shepherd. To know me as your shepherd is all about surrender. If you're taking notes, I would write that word down. 
to know me as your shepherd is all about surrender. Sheep were made to need a shepherd. Did you ever think about that as you've heard about sheep? Sheep were created to live in a flock and they were created with the need to be led. The Lord was saying, sheep were made to need a shepherd. And it's a relationship of love and trust and care. That's what a good shepherd does. A sheep must be surrendered to that love and that care and the leadership of the shepherd. And Kevin, surrender is all about trust. Trust is about a journey of deepening relationship and the relationship of surrender. And the Lord said this. He said, this psalm could be read like this from David. When I surrender and trust the Lord as my shepherd, then I shall lack nothing. Do you see the difference? When I surrender and trust the Lord to be the shepherd of my life, then I lack nothing. The Lord continued. He said, the areas that aren't fully surrendered and entrusted to me are the areas where you lack. The areas where you lack. These are the places where we lack and we can feel the lack. And the Lord said, Kevin, what does a shepherd need and desire? And he answered his own question. The Lord does that sometimes. By the way, the Lord asks really good questions. He said, but this one was a rhetorical one. What does a shepherd need? What does, sorry, what does a sheep need and desire? He said, green pastures. We're a place of rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. They also eat in green pastures. So eating in the place of rest. He said they need peaceful waters. We talked about that. They need refreshment because if all you're doing is walking them, they will grow tired and weary, and that's a place of danger for them. They need a place of refreshment. And if you look, uh, Bob, if we can put verse 3 up there, he, it says this. He says, he refreshes my soul. Some of you know the King James. He says, he restores my soul. The word, the Hebrew word for soul here is the word nefesh. And, and I like this because I like this. He likes, to, that's their soul. It's our inner being. It's our innermost part of where we draw life. And David is saying, he refreshes my soul. So you can put it this way. He likes to refresh my nefesh. You like that? <laughs> Sheep need refreshment. They need the right paths to walk on. They need protection in dangerous places, and they need the comfort of the presence of a shepherd. Because sheep are naturally anxious, this is the deepest needs that they have. These are the deepest places of need in a sheep's heart, in a sheep's life, in who they are, and that's the place that David is rehearsing before the Lord. David was saying, when I make David was saying, when I make you, Lord, the shepherd of my life, my deepest needs of my heart and life are met by you. The Lord knows the deepest needs of our heart. And when we're living in relationship with him, we can trust that he can do these things. And then comes verse four. 
And I don't know if you're like me, whenever you get to verse four, even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, there, there's almost a, a shift in mood in there when you read this. At least that's how I feel sometimes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I see the green fields. I hear the birds chirping. I hear the, the quiet waters barely in the background. I could feel that. He leads me in paths of righteousness. It's like, wow. It's like a Thomas Kincaid painting, isn't it? And I don't know, maybe it's Keith Green's song that changed mood in the middle of this part. I don't know, but something happens. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the whole mood changes, doesn't it? That's what it feels like. But I don't think it does for, for David or the Lord. As he says this, the Lord, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Kevin, valleys are part of life in a fallen world. They are often places of darkness. And they are often places of testing. They are places of revealing. This valley, as you know, Kevin, was, was a narrow place. It was a place of squeezing. And sometimes in life, pressure squeezes you in. And the Lord says, pressure reveals areas of your heart and life that may not be fully surrendered to me. There are places where my presence isn't bringing you comfort at times. Anyone ever have those experiences in life? A valley of the shadow of death, a dark place in life where you're feeling squeezed in, you're feeling hemmed in. And can I tell you, that because we live in a fallen world, some of those valleys are absolute places of tragedy. Don't ever confuse tragedy that comes from often the enemy or living in a fallen world with the testing that comes from the Lord. They're totally different. However, when we're in the valley, sometimes it doesn't feel different. And so sometimes those places of squeezing our life, sometimes, and I'm not talking about the tragedies right now because the Lord does want to be our shepherd in those places too, but sometimes in those places of squeezing in life that comes just from being in life. And sometimes it's the Lord who are, is leading us through those squeezing places of life. And sometimes the Lord is putting us in a place where we're being squeezed to see what comes out. Because sometimes it's only in those places of squeezing that what's inside of our heart or what's really going on inside of us or where our relationship is with the Lord can be fully or more fully revealed in ways that we understand. It's not like the Lord is going, oh, I was surprised by that. I didn't see that one coming, Kevin. But there's sometimes, is, sometimes where I'm surprised at what's coming out. The Lord puts us in those places sometimes not to shame us or embarrass us or hurt us, but because he wants to come in as the shepherd in new ways. Some of you have heard me share this before. I don't want to go into detail, too much detail. I'm willing to, to share this. A year ago, I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. A year ago, 
I'd gone through a season, and I don't need to give all the background. Some of it was way beyond my control. Some of it was stuff that was tragic. Some of it was the Lord's testing. Some of it was, there was, it wasn't just one thing. There were several things taking place, but I was experiencing something I had never before in my life to experience. And I've walked through dark places before, and I've gone through the valleys, and I've seen the Lord come through, but this was an entirely new experience. It, It manifested in several different ways, but in my life, I would start waking up in the middle of the night completely anxious. I either couldn't go to sleep or I'd wake up at 2 or 3 or 4 a.m. and I couldn't go back to sleep. And I could feel just anxiety all over my body. And I'd heard other people talk about having panic attacks or anxiety attacks or things like that. And I couldn't relate when they would share that. I had no idea. I felt bad for them, but I, I couldn't relate to that. It never happened to me before. And I'm waking up and I'm either sweating or I'm shaking or it feels like there's a truck sitting on my chest. And I, I, and I couldn't stop the tape that was in my head. And I would go from anxious thought to anxious thought to anxious thought. And, uh, and I couldn't grab a hold of it. And some, I would just try to speak truth into one part. And then something else would come in. And I was up over and over again. And I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night. And I would try to pray. And I would try to get to that place where I would even sometimes read this. Or I'd, I'd recite. Or even sometimes out loud, I would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And I'm rehearsing truth, but I can't, I, can't, I can't feel the truth penetrate my heart. And it was a season. And, I, and can I tell you, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's debilitating. It's draining. It's exhausting. It, for me, was the very essence of a valley of darkness. Can I tell you? The Lord never left me. However, that season revealed some areas of my life that were in lack because the Lord had not fully been the shepherd of those areas. And the problem wasn't on his end. It was on mine. And the Lord had some of it he did not want, he did not cause he was not the author of. But some of it was his squeezing to show me what was coming out wasn't good, wasn't healthy, wasn't helpful. Anyone else ever have a valley? Six of you, awesome, so good. The Lord reminded me today, and it was a season, and I had to press into God. And can I tell you, if I hadn't surrendered to the most painful process of my life, I would not be standing here today. The Lord said, trust gets built when you can surrender to my shepherding of your soul in the darkest valleys you experience. It's often in the testing that you can learn to receive the blessing of my presence in new and in deeper ways. You need 
that he was reminding me personally. Kevin, you need to learn to look back and see where I was in the darkest of valleys and see where I wanted to comfort you. But fear caused you to hide from me or to blame me. Or the darkness you experienced caused you to stop surrendering to me as your shepherd. And he was saying, I want you to, to learn to go back. Sometimes after we get through the valleys or we, we're coming out of them, to go back to the times, all the times where like David, he said, I will fear no evil because you're with me. But there's times where I was fearing the evil or I'm feeling the, the, the darkness of it. And I have to get through those things with the Lord. But we need to be students of those valleys to go back and say, Lord, where were all the times when you were there, but fear or darkness or my own insecurities or control issues or shame pushed you away when I needed you the most? You wanted to shepherd me. You wanted to lead me. You wanted to care for me. You wanted to be as near to me then as you were in the quiet waters or in the green grass. Learn how to do that. Share a story quickly. Maybe very real and raw to many of us today, as it is to me still. One of my best friends and our best friends, Carrie's my best friend, through, uh, and some of you have heard this story and heard us tell it before, but their seven-year-old daughter, uh, quickly and tragically died. And we had the privilege and honor of walking with them through the darkest valley you can imagine. And after the week of memorial services and a burial, and hear me out, I know that was not a valley that the Lord caused. Does everyone understand what I'm saying there? My friend, Adrian, even though I was his pastor, but he was my friend, he shepherd, shepherded me in that moment. We saw him about 24 hours after the burial Carrie said to him, Adrian, you, you look really tired. You know, is it just the, the grief catching up with you? And he said, well, no. He said, I was up all night last night. And he said, I let Jesus walk me back through this past week, every moment in the hospital rooms, every moment with doctors, every moment with funeral directors and in waiting rooms, every moment. And I said, Jesus, I don't want to miss you in any of those moments. So he in Jesus, 
for a whole night, walked back through every moment. And Jesus showed him all the times that he was there and what he was feeling and what he was saying and what he wanted to be. And the times that Adrian said, I remember that. I felt your presence. I could feel your comfort. I could feel your words of life over me. I could feel your arms around me. And then so many times where Adrian felt so alone and cold that he allowed the Lord to reveal where he was in that moment. So he went through this whole experience all over again, and he could feel all the pain all over again. But every time he could feel the waves of pain, he allowed Jesus to be the shepherd that he wanted to be in those moments. He let him walk through those valleys over and over again to say, I want to know you so much. I want to let you be the shepherd of my life. I'm willing to let you go into those places and those hurts and those wounds that are beyond anything I can ever imagine because I want you to be my shepherd. Can I say, when we trust Jesus enough to let him shepherd us in the darkest times, it will build a personal history of intimacy and closeness that will become a relational foundation that carries us into life. Two weeks ago, the Lord asked me to do something in my quiet time, in my journaling with him. He said, what have you learned in this last valley season. I wrote down 23 things the Lord had been teaching me through that season. Many of the biggest lessons I have learned were in seasons where I had to trust him the most. And I want to say this carefully. And I don't say this as a platitude or a cliche. But some of the biggest breakthroughs I've experienced in life came as a result of the darkest valleys in my life. And some of you sitting here know that. And some of them were tragedies that the Lord didn't bring but if we let him shepherd us through, can still bring us to a place of learning to trust him in the middle of tragedies. But some of those times in our life where the Lord did put us in a place of squeezing, where he let us feel the pressure of a moment, and at times the Lord is saying, hey, those I'm letting what comes out of you be a reflection of where you need me the most. Let me in. Let me shepherd. Kevin, when you surrender to me as shepherd in those areas of weakness and frailty, then through our history together, those will be places where you're no longer lacking, but you will be thriving. Does it happen instantly? Heck no. Absolutely not. And some of you have been walking out a lifetime 
of letting the Lord back into dark valleys of your life and letting him heal those places and reveal to you that he never abandoned you. He never let you go. He never walked away from you. It was hard to see him because it was dark and it was hard to hear him because you were anxious and full of fear. Can I tell you? It's not too late. It's not too late. The Lord wants to build a, a history of trust with you. I want to throw up some questions up on the screen, and you can take a screenshot of them if you want to, just to get you starting to think and to process with the Lord and think through some of the stuff. Some of, but we're going to head to the Lord's table together. I just want to read the questions to you, and during this time, I want this time of of communion and the Lord's table to be an intimate moment where you get to spend time with Jesus. That's really cool. In John 10, the Lord reveals himself and he says, I'm the good shepherd. David experienced it. Jesus is declaring it. And he's inviting you into it. So I just want to read these questions real quick. On a scale of one to 10, because it's really easy to someone who goes, do you trust Jesus? You might go, yes. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you trust Jesus? One. On a scale of one to 10, how much am I trusting Jesus as my shepherd right now in all areas of life? Two, when things get dark or hard, what is my usual response? That right there, for me, is a reflection of how much Jesus is my shepherd. Does that make sense? When I freak out like a little sheep, <laughs> or do I say, I will fear no evil because you're with me? Three, what hurts or life experiences affect my trust in Jesus as my shepherd? All of us have valleys and times where we didn't either know or feel the presence of Jesus, where the hurts or wounds the enemy has even lied about and said, that's where he left you. That's where he abandoned you. That's where you can't trust him. Let the Lord speak to those. Number four, what valleys do I need to revisit with Jesus? What valleys do I need to walk back through with Jesus and say, can you show me where you were, what you were feeling? Can you reveal what was going on inside of me that maybe pushed you away or made me feel like I was all on my own? Can you reveal where you were, what you were doing, and heal those places in me? Rebuild the trust that I lost in those moments. And that's where we are.